0: This is Cass Club Radio.
1: Brought to you by Heritage Distilling.
0: On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends.
1: Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life.
0: It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Lydia Cruz.
3: And I'm Justin Stiefel.
2: I'm Maura Dooley. It was a big week for Seattle sports. Huge first week. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like rivalry weekend, I guess you could call it. Sounders versus Toronto FC for the third time in the MLS Cup and Seattle coming out victorious. And then Monday night football, Seattle defeating their NFC West rival, the San Francisco 49ers in some very exciting overtime action very stressful yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) i got offered tickets to go to the sounders game and i could not go because i was going down for the monday night football
2: game oh wow wow. good reason to turn it down
3: i was able to be there in person uh we got invited by the seahawks jennifer and i to join them on the flight with the team to go down and be there for all the pregame stuff and and uh, then be on the flight back on the on the team plane it was <laughs> insanity in oh that stadium gosh. it was like playoff atmosphere <laughs> the entire time and the number of 12s that were down there in the stadium was uh, just amazing to see how the Seahawks fans traveled
2: yeah they they are a loyal crew the 12s are and I bet that plane ride home was kind of fun
3: there's lots of singing going on you know, yeah. from the back quarters with the players. It was, it was uh, fun to watch and well-deserved. And, um, you know, just another reason to never give up.
2: Never yeah. Give up. A good, uh, they said afterwards, you know, testimony to, testament to resiliency, which is what that team's about. Um, but And also pretty cool for the Sounders. We got to see their championship parade this week. It's been a good week for Seattle sports, and hopefully it just continues.
3: Just amazing. And, and uh, coming up on the 21st, I'm going to go uh, listen to uh, Jerry DePoto give his talk on uh, the upcoming Mariner season. And uh, I'm excited to see what he has to say.
2: Absolutely. You know, that that's the next franchise to turn things around. The Seahawks were once that franchise that had to turn it around, too. We sat through a lot of bad games and a lot of bad football in the 90s, but uh, we've seen what they've done when they turn it around. And the Mariners, they're next on my list, okay? We saw the Nationals banish <laughs> their demons this year in the World Series, and I believe the Mariners are are coming up. Their turn's coming up here soon. In the meantime, what's in the headlines this week?
3: Well, we've talked all summer about the, the hard seltzer craze, <clears throat> and now uh, from Forbes.com, jet Blue is the first airline to offer hard seltzer in flight. We all knew this would be coming. I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, as people and consumers are asking for things, they probably had a lot of people on the airlines asking. And if you're an airline wanting to remain competitive, and and you're in a certain tier like JetBlue is competing against Southwest and a few others on the economy side, uh, you want to give people a reason to pick your airline. So they became the first airline to offer hard seltzer. In flight, It's a partnership with the Boston Beer Company, which is the owner of Truly Hard Cider. And uh, as they say here, they are constantly listening to customers and diversifying the in-flight offerings to make sure they're making the products they love on the ground available to them in the skies. And uh, bringing Truly Hard Seltzer on board is another fun way to deliver the promise of providing a preferred customer experience with the partners of Boston Beer Company. That's a quote from the Director of Product Development for JetBlue they uh, the brand uh, truly revamped some of their flavors recently and they're offering cans of wild berry uh, in the flight so that's what you can get in flight right now is the wild berry selection
2: we'll keep our eye on this and see if this trend keeps growing because yeah i could see it taking off maybe a little harder in the winter months but i could see this being really popular come the summertime too we talk about hard seltzer every that's week right and it's crazy yeah
3: It is, and I read something where Jim Koch, who's the founder and owner of uh, uh, Boston Beer Company, said that they were going to double their production of canned hard seltzer this last year, but the market ran out of the cans because (laughs) Diet Coke bought all of the slim cans on the market when they rebranded and went Diet Coke in those servings. So they would have grown even more had they had access to the extra number of cans they were trying to buy. I mean, that oh, wow. just is mind-boggling.
2: Wow, intriguing. And yeah. it's not even the first, uh, it's not even the only uh, hard seltzer story that we have in the headlines <laughs> this
3: week. No. So we launch right into the next one. AB InBev, they're owners of uh, Bud Light. Budweiser and lots of the big regional craft beers they are the world's largest brewer and they are now entering the hard seltzer version in their own brand now they own the Bon and Ive brand which uh, has the mermaids on it now they're actually taking Bud Light and turning it into a seltzer it's the latest entry in the hard seltzer category it's going to launch in the U.S. early 2020 It has sparkling water, real cane sugar, and natural fruit flavors, according to the statement from them. Four varieties, black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and strawberries. Each can is about 100 calories, 5% alcohol. And uh, their vice president of marketing says the beer brand is evolving to meet the needs and changing demands of their customers. Think about that. Bud Light branded now as a hard seltzer. According to data, the mainstream lager has been in decline for some time. This is the regular Bud Light. Volumes have fallen 5.6% in the past four years. Values have risen 5.5% in the same period, showing that consumers are opting for more premium products. We've seen that in the data. One of the things of note that I saw in another article is that the offering for this Bud Light hard seltzer is going to be in 25-ounce, big, tall-boy-type cans as opposed Mm. to the smaller 8- or 12-ounce cans that the rest of the market has been moving to for hard seltzer. So that alone is going to be a product differentiator, and I think it's uh, an interesting uh, niche that they're trying to expose.
2: Yeah, I think setting yourself apart in this category is going to become increasingly important since there are so many options out there. But, yeah, I've been seeing commercials on TV, I think, for, like, natural light seltzers all the time. So I feel like... They're not the first to, to try and make this jump, and clearly the market has demand for it.
3: Well, the fact that they're highlighting that it's made with sparkling water, real cane sugar, and natural fruit flavors, they also have to use their flavored malt base or the, the malt base, the, the beer base, to go into it. I wonder if you're going to see them attack other hard seltzer brands ah, like they did and Coors yeah. on the whole <sighs> corn syrup type thing Oh boy! Uh, based on how that they are positioning this right now. So that'll be interesting to watch.
2: Absolutely. And finally, what is our last headline?
3: Last up from the DailyMail.com, in the name of science, 12 bottles of wine were sent to the International Space Station to study the effects of microgravity on the aging process. Uh, 12 bottles of French red wine are not for the crew, but it's to study how weightlessness and space radiation affect the aging process. The astronauts received a case of the wine that literally is out of the world. And while the 12 bottles of wine are in space, the company has donated another 12 bottles for researchers to study on Earth. So they compare the batches of the same bottles, 12 in space and 12 on Earth. The bottles sent to the space station and on Earth will both be kept sealed and at 64 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, they're hoping to see what zero gravity does to affect uh, the aging and ultimately the flavor profile of this wine. We will keep you posted when, uh, when we get more details after the study results are done.
2: For science, man. Wine, anything in the name of science.
3: All in the name of science. <laughs> name of science. Absolutely. I can see,
2: uh, someone trying to auction off those bottles later down They've the line. Been to space. They've been to space. Well, speaking 100%. of, well, speaking of going international, we've got seven international drink trends to keep an eye on. We are creeping towards the end of 2019, 2020, right around the corner. But these will be to keep your eye on for 2020. That's coming up next on Cast Club Radio. Love radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Now the end of 2019, wow, it really crept up on me this year. We seen to go by fast 2020 right around the bend here. And we've got some trends to keep your eye on thanks to our international friends when it comes to consumer, the consumer drinks business, things you want to watch out for in 2020.
3: Yeah, so this is from the drinks business, 7 international, international, not domestic trends. Uh, so uh, big flavors, small ABVs, fancy formats, they're all in vogue now. People are uh, seeing a market change in attitudes internationally. That's a big deal uh, because you think about how traditionally focused some of these markets are overseas, especially if it comes to wine in France or wine in Italy or gin in the UK. So let's just get started. The first on the list, just number in- seven.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Justin, can I actually ask you a question before we get started? Because you would know more about this than me. How much, is, right. how much is the domestic market influenced by international drink trends like this versus versus the opposite way around? Like, how much do you think the U.S. follows suit when it comes to other countries? Or how much do we influence other countries?
3: Well, some of the things we are going to talk about in here are going to have crossover because of what consumers across the world are looking at. For example, uh, lower alcohol
0: uh, mm-hmm. and
3: more natural flavors. We, we are seeing that all over the world. What we are going to see as a limiting factor are the continued trade tariff mm-hmm. battles. Yeah. So something that may be really hot in Europe, it's going to have a hard time translating to the U.S. right now because the tariffs are so high on some of these things that uh, it's too expensive and you, you re- really can't even get your hands on some of these products. And the same thing overseas. American products are having a hard time getting into foreign markets because the retaliatory tariffs make them so expensive. So if we had a neutral playing ground and all these tariffs were done, we would see a much more natural uh, economically focused, decision-making by the average consumer that you would see these trends being truly international.
2: Mm. Okay, cool. Thanks. I just yep. wanted to know, getting started.
3: So number seven on the list, even more pink stuff. Pink <laughs> is everywhere in the drinks world. We talked about this uh, last year and earlier this spring. Rosé everywhere. Gin. <laughs> yeah, rosé and then pink gin started to take off like crazy, and then pink Prosecco. So Britain, uh, they have uh, sales of juniper lace spirit, which we all call gin. It's about a $1.4 billion a billion pound um, market in 12 months. Uh, that's according to uh, research analysts. And everybody now is selling pink gin or some variant of pink gin over there. <clears throat> There's a difference between slow gin, which uses a special berry and it turns the gin pink. It's usually lower alcohol and sweeter uh, versus a traditional gin that has pink color from some derivatives. not exclusive to juniper-based spirits, though. Some reports are that champagne is being eclipsed by types of on-trade rosé champagnes. So uh, what was a traditional champagne is now rosé champagne. I've had a few of those myself, and I've had even some red champagnes that are fantastic lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prosecco is also, Prosecco um, coming from a different region of the world, in Italy, having pink Prosecco. And Britain's love affair with pink gin and rosé wine is expanding, and they're seeing that spread across all of Europe. And, again, we're seeing some of the same thing here in the U.S.,
2: All right. More pink stuff. That's the first one (laughs) on the list. What's next up?
3: Next is new regions, specifically Eastern Europe, thanks to changing climates and greater investments in vineyards. The majestic uh, sales of Eastern European wines has increased by 400 percent year over year. Uh, That comes as consumers are looking for better value in response to Brexit-related price hikes. Again, uh, we think we've got issues with our trade stuff going on here between the U.S. and other, other countries. Well, the whole Brexit debacle is causing real issues between the U.K. and the rest of Europe at the same time. Uh, sales of dry Slovenian ferment, which is a grape characterized by high acidity, it's up over 159%. Uh, just in the Waitrose brand of stores according to one report so and and you're reading reports of other eastern european countries having uh, better quality wine coming out
2: all right pink stuff and new regions then also another familiar thing on this list that seems pretty popular domestically as well
3: Number five, yes, yeah, sparkling. <clears throat> global <What? laughs> Global demand for sparkling. So everywhere you look, sparkling wines are growing. Sparkling wine is not the same as a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers are typically a beer derivative product with carbonation added. Sparkling wine is typically uh, champagne style where the carbonation comes from natural fermentation process. All uh, points right now to consumers drinking fewer overall gallons or ounces, but they're drinking better quality as a result. So uh, sales are up 95% in dollar terms, while the volume is only up 70%. Anytime your dollar figure is up at a greater percentage than the volume, it's an indication that premium is driving the consumption. Sales of of premium sparkling brands are up almost 14% in the UK uh, in the last four years alone.
2: I also noted that Cava is making a resurgence. It's far behind Champagne and Prosecco in terms of uh, U.K. UK sales, but I found that to be interesting too.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's a very kind of niche product market, and we don't see a lot of it over here in the States, but again, that's really about exposure to the British market over there.
2: Awesome. Next up?
3: Next is English wine developments. You know, U.K. is not really known for their uh, wine as much as France is, Uh, The rise of English sparkling wine has been covered extensively by their own national press. There was a bumper harvest in 2018 that led to a boost in sales of English and Welsh wine this year. Waitrose became the first supermarket to list an orange wine from an English producer. Orange wine is a whole new topic of uh, wine that that really has popped up in the last 18 months. And there are uh, collections and 2018 vintages hitting the stores right now for English sparkling wine.
1: I can't say that I've
2: ever had an English wine. I know. My, me either. I would guess from my just limited knowledge, the climate there would make it kind of difficult to to produce a lot of types of varietals. But we will keep our eye out because, yeah, we should, we should try those. What else is on the list?
3: Number three, flavor over ABV. We've talked about this extensively. Low and no alcohol has been one of the biggest talking points in the beverage industry in the last 24 months, so much so that one top-rated story on uh, the drinks business website is now a list of non-alcoholic beers to try in 2019, and that was published in January. It's almost a year ago. It still remains one of the, the top red stories. Consumers, it claims, care more about flavor, big flavors, and natural flavors than alcohol content. So people are willing to forego higher content alcohol if the quality of what they're consuming is better. That makes sense, and we're seeing that. That's good. It should uh,
2: lead to more responsible drinking. Yes. Yep. It,
3: that's right. And it impacts you know overall health, lower alcohols, lower sugar, lower incidence of maybe diabetes or heart disease or cancer or whatever. So uh, lower alcohol is not a bad thing. Seedlip, which is a brand that came out of the UK, recently launched a bottled booze-free Negroni, or what they call a No-Groni, to coincide with the 100th anniversary of the Negroni cocktail. And the trend, they say, is partly due to prioritizing health, but also thanks to non-alcoholic mixers like Fever Tree, Coca-Cola, and Double Dutch. Remember, Coca-Cola came out with a series of different Coke-branded mixers to put into different types of cocktails, including alcohol-free cocktails, so... Uh, Again, there's more variety for the consumer, and the consumer has more choices as a result. So
2: both of the final two on our list, and we just have to wrap this up kind of quickly, but involve packaging.
3: Yes. uh, Cans over bottles. We're seeing that. Uh, think about beer you know all this move to hard seltzers it's all in cans you're not seeing it in bottles Uh, cans are on the rise all over europe and uh, it's considered to be the alternative environmentally friendly packaging and then the other one is byo packaging aluminum formats which is bag in a box and um, reusable box schemes so that you can uh, take get actually like a bag of wine if you will. Uh, and, and put the bag in a box and uh, get rid of the cardboard waste.
2: Very interesting. That that goes along yeah. with just trying to be a better consumer and, and be green and responsible. So those are also good good trends, too. A lot of these uh, are positive, I would think. We'll make sure this yep. is available for you at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out the full list there online coming up on cast club radio matt and emily clifton who are the geniuses behind nerds with knives they've got a lot of great recipes to tie in with the heritage distilling advent calendar next on cast club radio Cast Club Radio. Right now, we're joined by two people who can give us a lot of holiday tips, a lot of holiday cooking tips Emily and Matt Clifton, the creative minds behind Nerd with Knives. How are you guys? Great, thank you. you. Thanks so much for having us on. I know we're lucky we get uh, two for the price of one today and and (laughs) two creative minds. So, can you explain? Both of you have pretty impressive careers outside of your blog, outside of this venture. How was it that you found yourselves starting this passion project?
1: Well, I think, you know, funnily enough, I think sometimes having, um, you know, having a career outside gives you kind of a push to to want to do something fun and creative that's all your own. Since Matt and I both, um, you know, we have full careers doing other things, when we started doing the blog, we were like, you know, let's just do it for us and really have fun with it. And, and that's kind of, that's really how it started, and it's kind of really how it stayed, where, you know, we really just focus on the stuff that we love to make and ingredients that we love to use, and you know, that's really kind of always been our focus.
2: Were there elements of your of your careers that were helped you uh, uh, that bled over into to this project?
0: Well, I think I think you know what I do a lot of the time in, in my day job is I work with clients who need websites, and so when we came to start thinking about it. We really wanted to put down somewhere, you know, a lot of the recipes that we use and we didn't have written down. And, you know, every Thanksgiving we make dishes and we were like, well, how do we organize this stuff? And then we thought, let's just put it on a website, uh, literally, so that the two of us can go and see what this stuff, you know, just uh, just remind ourselves. So I knew how to do that. And Emily uh, works in, you know, she's a film editor and so she's very visual and she had a sense of how how best to present the recipes.
2: Well you can definitely tell on your website everything is beautiful. The photography. Well, uh, thank you. The presentation. Nice to hear. So you guys have been doing this since two thousand thirteen, is
1: that correct? Yeah, something like that. I mean we started really super duper casually, just kind of, you know, literally for ourselves. Mostly like Matt said for Thanksgiving recipes where we would always kind of make these things that we really liked, and then we couldn't remember exactly what was in them, or people would ask us, you know, for the recipe, and, you know, most of them were in our heads. So, you know, that's really kind of how it started, probably around 2012, 2013. And then probably within a year or so, we started, you know, getting a little bit more... I don't want to say serious about it because it but but really we started just really enjoying it and I think you know the photography became a bigger part of it and something that I really enjoyed so you know as that kind of developed we just you know started paying more attention to it and just doing it more regularly I guess
0: Yeah I think that was a really interesting point for us where really for the first year it was us and our mums you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Our friends and our friends' mums And that was great and cool and fun. And then, you know, strangers were commenting on the site saying, hey, I love your, your recipe. And we thought, oh, what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> I'm not sure we wanted to go global. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. But it was also like, I mean, it was just so amazing to, to put something out there that other people were enjoying who, like, had never met us before. And there was just something really... Incredibly wonderful about knowing that somebody's cooking something that you made up and they're sharing it with their friends and their family and you know they're all enjoying it and it's just i don't know it's just a really really lovely feeling and experience that you know hasn't hasn't gone away yeah. we're still like so delighted when people reach out to us and tell us that they've made something and it, you know they liked it and you know or they made something for their friends or their
0: family. and Yeah, it's really touching. I mean, we always say every year on Thanksgiving, we we, like, we, we love you guys, our <laughs> readers. We really mean it. Aww. I mean, it's sort of, you know, for us, food has always been a way to get friends and family together, and this is just an extension of that. This is just a way of, of finding a community across really across the whole world that um, is really into food and loves. And it doesn't have to be complicated recipes at all. In fact, some of our favorite recipes um, have been the simplest um, and just things that just like variations of things that we both grew up with when we were kids that are either our parents made or our friends made and we we remembered those recipes and we adapted them and just sort of rediscovering that love of of food and of eating together
2: just like your family got a little bigger i like it yeah (laughs) well you mentioned the growth there and at some point you realized that you actually had a business venture on your hands and you needed a name for it i love the name nerds with knives can you tell us how you kind of settled
1: on that Well, you know, it's funny because it was one of those things like, you know, Matt and I are both, you know, fairly nerdy people in the sense that, you know, we both, we love science fiction and Matt's a huge comic book. I don't want to say collector, but he loves comic books Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I... I'm a film editor and definitely I've always been a film nerd. And, and we also really love learning about, you know, the science behind things and the techniques of why things work. So when we were thinking of names, I don't even remember the others that we came up with, but we sort of, you know, landed on this and, you know, looked at each other with our glasses on and, <laughs> and we're like, all right, this kind of fits us. And it also, you know, it works so that, you know, our our, our friends and, you know, my brother calls us dorks with forks <laughs> and goons with spoons.
0: There's an endless set of variations that we haven't fully explored yet. Yeah.
1: That's perfect.
2: So... You guys, obviously, this started more as a food venture, but browsing through your website and looking at some of the recipes, you've definitely branched out into making drinks and cocktails as well. Uh, What was sort of the start of that?
1: Well, we just really love to drink. (laughs) And, you know, I think, um, you know, as, as we developed our food recipes, we found that we were, you know, always interested in kind of carrying over some of the flavors that we were working with at the time, often with a lot of herbs. So, you know, we just would kind of, you know, it's kind of a natural extension of the food recipes, you know, plus we, we have always loved classic cocktails. Like we love, you know, a really classic old-fashioned and Manhattans and things like that. And, and we still do, and we still, you know, make very classic drinks. And then we'll also kind of put our, our spins on them that tend to be um, a little bit seasonal, but usually quite simple. We don't like to get too super complicated with you know, with our drinks, partially because I think we're a little bit you know, we don't like to wait too long <laughs> I, know, yes. to a cocktail. So if a recipe is like forty three stages and, you know, you have to like smoke ice and <laughs> you know, do these really complicated things, they look wonderful in theory. But for us in practice, we tend to like to stay relatively simple.
2: I think that's a really relatable part of your blog. And I know it's something you focus on on the food side as well, doing things with uh, really good, fresh, simple ingredients and things that are accessible to people. And around the holidays, drinks especially when you're at parties and you're you're celebrating with your family, you want to spend your time with the people in your life that matter the most. And you guys actually had a great uh, holiday cocktail on your website recently, which you managed to incorporate the spirits advent calendar, which we're huge fans of. Here, so can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes, we uh, we had a partnership with Heritage where they sent us the the uh, the calendars and we we love them so much mm-hmm. we actually wanted to put together something which which used the drinks and also kind of kicked off our our holiday. Uh, blog recipes and I think this one was something that we you know we made several variations on old fashions Uh, we just love the combination of you know a little bit of whiskey and something a little bit sweet and I think traditionally an old-fashioned would use a, a sugar cube but we wanted to play around with that and we've used um we use a lot of simple syrups, so you you know syrups where you have a an equal amount of sugar and water, but then you can infuse that with with herbal flavors or with fruit flavors. We use uh, rosemary a lot in our simple syrups, mm-hmm. and so this was something which made sense to us. And really, it's the combination of that, and I think we use the, the the heritage rye, which has a really nice spicy tone to it, and those flavors go together really, really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we especially I love the rye. It's just so. You know, it's it's smooth, but it still, it has, like, it has a punch. It has a spiciness, which is just um, really fun in mixed drinks especially.
2: And we won't do, the, do it justice by just talking about it, so people need to go online to nerdswithknives.com and check this out, because even just the photography and the visuals uh, surrounding it will put you into the holiday spirit immediately, so we'll make sure people check that out. But speaking of working with booze, you guys also have kind of an exciting project, which involves that.
1: Yeah, we have our first cookbook, which incorporates every recipe uh, has an element of booze in it. So it's cooking with whiskey and vodka and rum and gin and tequila, and it's called cork and knife. So it's been a really fun project for us to kind of experiment with alcohol in cooking, which we've always used a lot. We've always made wine sauces, and our uh, we have a barbecue sauce that uses bourbon, which is one of our most popular recipes, and it's one of the things our friends ask for the most. And we really sort of wanted to explore that further and really look at not just, you know, why alcohol works flavor-wise, but chemically and you know what vodka does in in uh, frying batters, and it's really it's fascinating, and it's just been a really really fun experience for us.
0: I yeah, love- it's been a real learning process, and and really, uh, other than the actual cooking, it's been a. A test of how much we can get away with shooting in our own tiny house without going <laughs> without going crazy. We just about stayed sane.
2: Cork and knife. Okay, this is, we're going to make sure people get the, their porters in now. Could be a gift for the holidays, or maybe you just started to plan ahead to next year for your gifts as well. It's never too early to do that. Cork and knife could right. be available next
1: year. It would be a great uh, a great pairing with the uh, the advent calendar. Oh, perfect! Which we're obsessed with love it. Well, thank you guys so much for
2: taking the time to join us and chat with us. Amongst all the things you're doing, especially around the holidays, we really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. We are really, we just are thrilled to to get to talk to you guys. Real pleasure. Make sure you go check out Emily and Matt's site, Nerds with Knives.
2: Thank you so much again for joining us. Up next, Distiller is back with a seasonal top five. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, joined by one of our favorite people, Distiller Dane. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Awesome.
2: Very well, especially now that we get another top five.
4: Oh, yeah. We're breaking uh, deep into fall with this one. And then we got some holidays coming up. So we might have some things heading that way.
2: I like it. I like it. I've already seen the Christmas lights. I've already heard people playing Christmas music. So I'm in the holiday spirit. Mm-hmm. Get us started with number one.
4: All right. Number one on my list. The stadium was packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macklemore played a pre-show in Occidental Square, and the victory parade already rattled, rallied through the streets of Seattle. But i got to give a big shout-out to the Seattle Sanders for bringing home the MLS Cup victory.
2: Awesome. I know. It was pretty cool. Now they have two stars on their chest. I think that's such a cool thing. It's a matter of pride in soccer, but being able to wear that, that star above your logo on your jersey is pretty neat.
4: Oh, yeah. And I've heard rumors it might give us a good chance for when World Cup comes to North America, potentially getting uh, one of the match games up here in Seattle. So that'd be awesome if that comes through.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, I think so, too. Like they saw the show out, the turnout of selling that place out in, in 20 minutes. The most fans ever to watch a soccer game here in Seattle. So pretty darn cool. Okay, number two,
4: number two on my list. Black Friday's coming up, but you gotta put the sales aside because it is the an annual Goose Island, Burbank County Stout Black Friday release. Mm. So, on this day, I suggest you go hit up your local bottle shops uh, for pours and bottles to go, are famous barrel-aged stout. And they also have eight other variants to look out for or other styles. And one of the ones I'm most excited for is the Mon Cherry Stout, which uh, utilizes two types of cherries, some oats and a dash of brown sugar in the recipe, which is supposed to give off kind of aromas of amaretto and almond, reminding you of a nice cherry cobbler.
2: Ooh, yeah. Sounds more like my kind of Black Friday. I don't I don't yeah. like going to the stores. That yeah. Day.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three. Number three on my list. So with the holiday coming up, I, of course, can't leave out Thanksgiving. So that's the wonderful time where you get together with your friends and family for a feast of delicious food. But my favorite and the best part about Thanksgiving is making all the creative sandwiches the, lot the following days with all the leftovers.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, leftovers are an underrated part of Thanksgiving. How
4: creative do you get? My favorite thing is taking the leftover rolls and I do like a nice layer of zesty carrots, the mashed potatoes, and the turkey, and then maybe a little dash of gravy on there.
2: Nice. All right, cool. I like it. Plus, using all the food, it's always important, so...
4: Very good. All right, number four. All right. So also, if you're at Thanksgiving surrounded by a lot of food, you might as well, of course, if you're with me, complement it with a lot of gin. So mm-hmm. this year, I'm going to be preparing uh, a cocktail I haven't made yet, but it's a pear spice gin cocktail. So the first thing you got to do is whip up a simple syrup with just putting a bunch of pears in there and some cardamom to give it the spice. And then simply put, all you have to do is add the spice pear simple syrup to a gin of your choice. With some fresh lemon in it, and then top it off with a splash of club soda over ice.
2: Wow. Yeah, that sounds really good. What made you want to come up with this one?
4: Uh, I was really craving some pears, and then I was trying to research some spices that complemented online, and uh, I noticed uh, a few people that had tried the kind of cardamom-pear combo, so I wanted to give it a shot.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Perfect for the, this fall weather that we're starting to see creep in. All right, wrap us up with number five.
4: So number five isn't necessarily as holiday related, but I came across this and it seems really interesting. And it's called Sumo Plus Sushi. <laughs> so it is basically a sumo wrestling event accompanied with delicious sushi. Have you seen this going around on the internet?
2: No, no but I, I would go for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Yeah,
4: seen so it going it's an yes. You have? Yes. Yeah, so it's an event being hosted, and I think they're only doing it in New York City, L.A., and Seattle. And they basically have like long tables which are squared around the sumo wrestling mat and you actually get to learn about like the history the rules the culture of sumo and then it's followed by six live matches and an actual Q&A with the wrestlers themselves and you get to do it all while eating local sushi
2: I would totally wow. do that yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, that it's kind of. Awesome. It reminds sounds me fantastic. of the old, like, medieval setup, you know, where they had all the people in there and you ate like the medieval food around it. I mean, the New York one is actually happening this weekend, and then the Seattle event, we know it's going to take place at Wangwu Cedar, but they haven't announced the official date yet. But it is coming soon.
2: All right, well, keep keep your eyes peeled for it. That sounds like such a unique experience. Cool.
3: So, sounds fantastic. All right, Dane, thanks for the top five, and uh, back to work. All right, see you guys later.
2: <laughs> thanks, Dane. As always, we want to leave you with a great cocktail recipe that you can take home and especially this time of year, entertaining and parties and galore. This one would work well, I think.
3: Well, this is uh, kind of unusual for us. Usually we have a cocktail that you would drink, uh, but, you know, on Thanksgiving people, are while you're cooking, like at at our house, there's a wide variety of things you may be consuming. So what we've done here is we are giving you the recipe to our BSB pumpkin pie. This is the actual dessert pie. Uh, All the alcohol will be cooked out of it, so anybody can can have it. Uh, You want to get a pre-made pie crust, 15 ounces of canned pumpkin, if you don't actually broil and soften pumpkin on your own to make your own Uh, pumpkin mash, 14 ounces of uh, sweetened condensed milk in the can, two eggs, two tablespoons of uh, the BSB brown sugar bourbon, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, and one teaspoon of pumpkin pie spice. You're going to preheat the oven to 425. Uh, You're going to put the pie crust into a pie plate, mix all the ingredients together, Pour it in and bake it for 15 minutes and then turn that heat down to 350 and bake it for another 40 minutes or until your toothpick comes out clean. If you really want to be adventurous and you're going to use real whole whipping cream, uh, you might add a little bit of BSB to the whipped cream and uh, BSB whipped cream topping on top of your BSB pumpkin pie. I can guarantee you this entire recipe is fantastic.
2: Yeah, I spoke too soon. Not exactly our traditional cocktail recipe, but one that will still, I think, be a hit at parties. And I always love to bring a dessert or bring something uh, when someone else invites me over to their house. I feel like this one would uh, this one would be a hit.
3: That's right. And this is going to be on our HeritageDistilling.com Facebook page, uh, HeritageDistilling.com regular internet webpage and also Cast Club Radio Facebook page.
2: Awesome. You can check out this recipe, past recipes. You can also download episodes of the podcast at HeritageDistilling.com.
3: Yes. And uh, don't forget to check us out on all the social media Locations, Instagram, and Facebook. Look for Castle Club Radio. Also, check out the BSB Instagram page, and we are using the hashtag Drinking BSB, along with all the usual stuff for Heritage Distilling. And again, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.
2: Perfect. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. We will see you back here next week. Everybody have a great weekend.
3: Cheers. Thanks for listening
0: to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us
1: out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes.
0: Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.